Episode 155, Bonus Edition, Interview with Elite Educator Angela Watson. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Hey, hey, elite educators, it's Gretchen here from Always a Lesson here to empower you to reach your potential. And you know it, I call you elite because that really describes someone that invests in themselves by listening to a podcast just like this one to help hone their craft. Well, today is a very special day because we have a guest appearance. I want to help you reignite your passion and your potential by learning from another elite educator named Angela Watson, who's got such an empowering, life-changing message for you. Before we dive into our discussion, I want to share with you a little bit more about Angela. So she has eight years experience as a K-12 instructional coach and 11 years experience in the pre-K to three classroom. She's the founder of Do Season Press and Educational Services. She's created printable curriculum resources, online courses, four books, the Truth for Teachers podcast, and the 40-Hour Teacher Workweek Club, which we're going to talk about during this episode. In addition to that, she's earned international recognition for her unique contributions to the field of education, really a pioneer and trailblazer of modern teacher blogging. She was first known for Miss Powell's Management Ideas for Teachers. That was her maiden name, and that was a website she created in 2003. She shared behavior management strategies and teaching techniques and organizational tips, and that site has now expanded and renamed the Cornerstone for Teachers. Since she began, her ideas have been featured in thousands of magazine articles, newsletters, internet resources, and are utilized in teacher preparation and support programs throughout the nation. A lot of her work that she does in terms of instructional coaching and educational consulting is based in brute Brooklyn, New York, thanks to her master's degree in curriculum and instruction. And so now that you know more about her credentials, I want to share why I'm really excited about this particular episode. When I first started teaching, I knew I had wanted to go into leadership and I really wasn't sure how to begin that journey. And teachers always asked me for advice and tips. And I had been reading so many years prior to teaching. I know I've told you this on other episodes, but I had just this wealth of knowledge from other people about how to be great at teaching and managing your time and organizing your materials and all those kind of things. And I came across her blog and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I can see myself doing this, like telling my story through these short snippets of blog posts. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, So she was kind of this mentor for me without knowing it, but I was able to say, okay, I can see that this person is where I want to be. So I'm going to watch them evolve, see the things they do, and then make it my own, make it work for me. So eventually I started my blog, you know, always a lesson and was just sharing seeing everything happening in my classroom and sharing pics of lessons I was doing and <laughs> all the good lessons and the great lessons and the horrible lessons. 
And I was just having a lot of fun sharing my story, and I didn't even care if anyone read it. And after a few years of that, when she had finally switched over her website, I was like, wow, she's really upped her game here. This looks very professional from like a teacher blog. This is like a website. And I was overwhelmed by that. But I thought, you know, if this is something I want to do, continuing to help teachers, then yeah, I probably need to have a website that's a little more structured, a website that uh, isn't so personal stories and more of like straight tips that people could pass along to each other. And so again, I just watched her from a distance as she evolved her business and you know has become so successful. And I'm just so thankful there's someone like her in selfishly for me because I knew I wanted to do more than what I was doing in the classroom and I just had no idea what it was going to look like and how to get there. And um, so watching her journey unfold kind of helped me see, okay, the next step for me is is this. And although I am super far behind her, <laughs> it is motivating to see the path she's taken and be able to translate that to my situation or my skill set um, or my desires and passions and be able to say, okay, this is how that eventually worked out. Let me try some of those strategies. And um, it's been really great. So I'm just very thankful for her contribution um, to me as a teacher leader. Um, And then obviously her tips as just great teaching, I appreciate because I've been able to share a lot of her wisdom with the teachers I coach or the student teachers or whatever. So she and I were talking about the potential of popping on the show and talking about this really exciting topic. I was super excited and honored and like, oh my gosh, you know, this has really developed over time when you finally get to sit down with someone you admire so much and and say, yes, I have this audience that I would love for you to bless with your ideas and your encouragement and this gift she's created, which you'll hear about that is took a long time um, to put together. And so I'm just really excited to be able to share it with you and just bring you another week of amazingness. (laughs) So let's go ahead and dive into this great interview. Hey, Angela, thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Hey, Gretchen, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited for the topic that we're going to dive into today because I know it's such a pain point, you know, for most teachers. And I think you've got some great solutions and tips that are going to be a lifesaver for each and every one of us. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this. Productivity is one of my favorite topics. Yeah, uh, before we dive into, you know, all things productivity, like the strategies and the mindset, Give us just a quick rundown of your journey from teacher to now consulting. So the short version is um, I started sharing ideas online with teachers back in 2003. So um, I didn't have a website or anything yet, but I just started going to the teacher forums because I was a third year teacher and I just wanted to see what other educators were doing and sort of share what I had learned along the way. And everything that I've done since then just sort of grew out of that love of sharing with other teachers. So um, people kept telling me, you should write a book. You should put all these ideas (laughs) into a book. Uh, So I did. I wrote my first book in 2008. And um, shortly afterwards, I did my first PD session on the book. And I was just immediately hooked. That that one day working with teachers, Mm -hmm. I just knew, okay, this is for me. I love (laughs) teaching teachers because I just feel like I didn't really get very much good professional development myself as a teacher. Right. Um, so I felt like I knew what teachers didn't like. And <laughs> I was really excited to be able to get in there and give them something that was really practical and, and meaningful for them. So totally. 
Um, so that's what I, I did. I started doing PD, blogging. I wrote more books. Um, I'm working on number five right now. Woo-hoo. Doing more speaking. Yeah, it's it's really cool. So um, it's just grown from there. And, um, you know, it did get to a point where I felt like I couldn't do all those other things well and stay in the classroom. Right. So my husband encouraged me to take the leap. I was really nervous about it and really, really tore. But um, I made the leap in 2009 to start doing instructional coaching. And um, and it, it's gone from there. So my focus now um, is mindset and productivity, really for two reasons. Firstly, because that's what I'm really passionate about right mm-hmm. now. That's what I'm really knowledgeable about. Um, but also because I've been out of the classroom for a while, I'm not the best person anymore to talk about daily practice. Right. I really want to pass the mic over to people who whose daily work is with the kids. My expertise is in the stuff that you really can't see well when you're in the trenches. It's really hard to keep that big picture perspective when you're teaching mm. or to have that time and mental bandwidth to take a step back and analyze what's working and what's not. Right. But I can do that. That's my whole entire job. <laughs> it's just supporting teachers and listening to them and creating things that help them. So I do that big picture work and break it down into actionable steps and motivating messages and replicable systems so that teachers don't have to do that on top of everything else that they're dealing with. Oh my God, that would be overwhelming. And it's kind of similar because I think you were all about classroom management. Like that was, you were like the guru of that in the classroom, right? That's right. Well, I I don't know if I could call myself a guru, but that was definitely (laughs) what I was passionate about um, was, was classroom management. But that's, you know, what's interesting is the tagline of my first book. My first book was called the cornerstone classroom management that makes teaching more effective, efficient, and enjoyable. And what I did is I started moving away from classroom management. I kept that same tagline. It just, I realized that everything that I do is really about making teaching more effective, efficient, enjoyable. So I kept that part of the tagline, but I feel like there's so much more that I want to talk to teachers about besides just managing a classroom. And I think also over time, I think the trend has been away from managing and more into leading a classroom. Mm -hmm. So thinking of yourself as a facilitator versus like, you know, my perspective on classroom management has evolved into so much more. So, um, yeah, but it's all kind of come out of those practical ideas for teachers. I love that you're sharing how things have evolved, because I think sometimes people think I'm only going to be a teacher and I don't know how these skills are going to transfer. But like you said, it started as one thing. I mean, the foundation was always the same. That passion was always there for efficiency. And it looked like something while you were teaching and looked like something else as you were transitioning. And now it looks like this, but it all comes down to the same thing. And that's hopeful for teachers that they they know they want to do something more, but they're just not really sure what it is and it encourages them to say hey look for the trends among these things that you find are your natural talents because it's going to catapult you and unfold as your journey unfolds as i'm sure you you know might not have been aware of where your journey was going to lead you but when you're true to yourself and let your passion lead the way it's it's really worked well for you yeah i think that can be a very organic process for sure and you did mention time and i think you know, that's like a four letter word for teachers and not in a good way, because, you know, but what you've uncovered in all of this time working with teachers is that it doesn't have to be a negative word any longer. And why do you think that is? Well, you know, there's a lot of resources out there to help with productivity, but I found that most time management advice doesn't apply to teachers. I I think teaching is a very specific type of job where Mm -hmm. you have a lot of responsibility, but not necessarily a lot of autonomy. And so you need advice that is geared toward teaching. If you, if you know, when your day is scheduled down to 11, 12, pick up <laughs> right? kids from lunch, it's really hard to, you know, talk about, oh, tackle your biggest priorities first. Mm-hmm. So 
you, you know, I think that's that's a piece of it is that traditional time management advice doesn't necessarily apply to teaching. Another aspect is that um, I think a lot of time management advice is being turned on its head as our our world is just changing so quickly and people, uh, you know, uh, time and attention and focus have become even more precious commodities. The way we consume information is different. So I think that what may have been good advice, um, you know, in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, when some of these time management gurus first came out, um, you know, they're reconsidering now and, and thinking about how things have changed. So there's a lot of different messages out there that can make it really hard for teachers to figure out, okay, how are we going to apply this to our work? Mm -hmm. And on top of that, I feel like teaching is just a very complex job. And it's a job that isn't really ever done. And you never really feel like you've done enough. Mm -hmm. And because of that, and because education's changing, the world's changing, um, there's so many different things to keep up with, um, new curriculum, new tech tools, new standards, that a lot of times teachers don't have the opportunity to master one thing before being told they now have to learn to do things a completely (laughs) different way. So when we talk about teachers not having enough time, the first thing that I think it's really important to understand is that if you feel like you don't have enough time, that is not your fault. If you're stressed out and you're overwhelmed, it's not because you don't know how to manage time or you're, you're bad at time management in any kind of way. There's nothing wrong with you. Now, there's things that you can do to relieve that stress and that overwhelm, but the fundamental problem isn't you. It's that the job of teaching is just extraordinarily demanding, and we live in a day and age where there's a lot of things competing for our time and Mm -hmm. attention, and we've never really been taught how to manage that. And do you think it's about, I know it's hard to prioritize, like you mentioned, just the way our schedule falls, but do you think it's more about teachers have to prioritize what's given to them, or do you think they have to learn to work around some of these tricky parameters so that they can still be themselves but adhere to the requirements of the job? I think it's both. I think some of it is examining what you think you have to do, and some of it is is looking for new ways to approach it. Yeah, and I think at least for me, feeling guilty, like I am not good at this. I can't handle this. What is wrong with me? I've done this so many years and I still can't get ahead. You know, every year you think I'm going to make all this instructional materials and next year I'll get to reuse it. And then something else comes. You're like, ah, I wasted all this time. And you know, what's wrong with me? And I think for me, the magic was like that balance. And I know that's something else that teachers are struggling with just to find balance to do it all. And I know you've mentioned it. it's not impossible to be able to find balance and do like A through Z. And you've even shared some examples of, you know, how teachers have created more balanced life, you know, through your podcast and blogging. So what kind of tips would you be willing to share with us that help us see we can be efficient, we can we can find that balance, and we can feel like we still manage our time well. I mean, it seems like so much to do. You're right. And I think you're also right about this idea, this, this like guilt comes from thinking like, I should be better at this by now. Yeah. Like I've been doing this for a couple of years. Why isn't this getting easier? And I remember when I first started teaching, people would always tell me, oh, don't worry, teaching will get easier the longer you've been doing it. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like people say that anymore. I don't think that's really true anymore because, I mean, what teaching looks like now is completely different from what it looked like five years ago, which is completely different from what it looked like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So just because you've been doing this a long time doesn't mean automatically that you will find it easier to get everything done, especially as new things are being added. So 
um, I'm really glad that you you made that point there because I think that is that's part of the guilt for a lot of teachers is feeling like this shouldn't be so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other piece there is, is that a lot of people just don't think that change is going to be possible. You know, they they feel like, um, you know, since our student teaching days, we've been told that it's impossible to do a good job for kids unless you are working nonstop. Right. That if you want to have this really engaging lesson, then you better be prepared to spend hours and hours working on it. And if you really care about kids, then you're not going to care about your own kids and your own family. You're, you happily just stay at school until dinner time because that is just the life of a teacher. That's just what it takes to do the job well. Right. And we've been sort of internalizing those messages since even before we got our own classrooms. And it's really, really hard to unlearn that. So, you know, when we talk about envisioning a better way or a more balanced life as a teacher without sacrificing quality of instruction and without sacrificing relationships with kids, I think it's important to start with that mindset piece and start by examining that assumption. Does does the amount of hours worked really equate with effectiveness? Because when you stop to think about it, you realize it's not true. We all know teachers who stay late at school every single day, but they're still teaching like it's 1989. <laughs> and we all know teachers who are really innovative, and they still somehow manage to make quality time with their families. They still have hobbies. They still have a life. Yeah. So there's really no correlation between the number of hours you work and how effective you are as a teacher. It's not about how much you're working or how hard you're working, but whether you're working on the right things. Amen. So are you spending those hours working after school on things that are making the biggest impact on student learning and figuring out what are some things I'm doing that aren't really moving the needle? Where am I not really getting results? And once you figure that out, then you can figure out how to do more of the things that make the big impact and sort of phase out or streamline or simplify the things that aren't really the best and highest use of your time. I know this is what's going to move the needle, but I don't know that I have the support of people above me to let me prioritize that. That's a tricky one because I think a lot of times as teachers, we're sort of waiting for permission. Yeah. We're waiting for someone on high to say, nope, you don't have to do that. Or, you know, nope, this thing is actually less important than that thing. And as a teacher, I never heard that. I never had, you know, anyone above me. Well, maybe I shouldn't make that statement. Maybe I should <laughs> Maybe I should say it this way because I, I had some really awesome principals who really tried to, to um, help us figure out what was most important. But I can tell you that I don't recall mandates coming down saying like, okay, you don't have to do this thing anymore and this is your most important task and if you, you know, make sure this gets done and if these other things fall to the wayside, it's okay. Right. The people making mandates are never going to tell you it's okay to, to not do something or mm-hmm. to prioritize something. So you're left trying to juggle all these balls yourself and figure out because, I mean, the fact is they aren't all equally important. And if no one is telling you what the biggest priority is, then you're just sort of guessing or you're trying to do them all and you're all you're doing them all sort of not very well, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're trying to do too many things. So I think not looking for permission is the first thing, not waiting for someone else to tell you how to manage your time, you know, because then you're still looking to someone else to make the decisions about intentionality. You have to be intentional for yourself. What are the things that I'm doing that are making the biggest impact and stay focused on those? That's good. And how about that mindset piece? Do you think teachers need to deal with that first before they're ready to jump into action? Because I'm thinking about my new teacher self and thinking I would have to go through the grieving process of not being perfect and accepting that this is hard and or that I have to start over before I could be like, yeah, okay, let's go on and do things different because emotionally I have to like take care of that first. 
Yeah, you know, I think it's it's sort of related. And, um, you know, the, in terms of like that, the action piece and the mindset piece. And a lot of times people are looking for, you know, magic bullet solutions. They want, you know, a yeah. quick hack or a quick tip or trick. Um, and I'm able to give that um, through the 40-hour teacher workweek club. But when I ask members of the club what really made the difference for them, a much smaller percentage names something that specific that they did. They almost always tell me about a mindset shift. So, you know, a mindset shift is something that you're going to be making over time, right? So if I were to put all of the information that I know about productivity into a book, I mean, first of all, it would be a gigantic book and no one would ever (laughs) even read it, right? And if they did read it, they just forget about it afterwards. So, you know, mindset shifts come over time. So we try to, I try to really focus with my teachers on one area at a time. And I keep reinforcing those mindset shifts in every area. So what does it look like to create boundaries, be intentional, stop reinventing the wheel in lesson planning? What does that look like in grading? What does it look like in homework, in your time at home over the summer, in your classroom routines? And keep reinforcing those principles all throughout the year so that you have time to really internalize them and create new habits. I get it. So it's the mindset shift is occurring while you're taking action. Exactly. And I think the more that you take action, the more it reinforces those mindset shifts. That's awesome. And I do love the idea of this 40 hour work week. I mean, who doesn't want to end their week thinking I have completed what's necessary and it's under 40 hours, meaning I have time, you know, to myself. So fill me in on the details of how did you come up with this as kind of your new initiative to help teachers and what's all entailed in being part of that club. So you know, it's called the 40 hour teacher workweek club, but that is mostly because I had to call it something. And, <laughs> you know, calling it the pick your own target number of hours each week, and then adjust it that for, you know, your workload club <laughs> doesn't really have that same ring, ring to, to it. it right? <laughs> so I had to pick something and 40 is the number of hours that most teachers are contracted to work. That, that was my contractual hours. That yep. was what I was getting paid to work. Right. So when I think about a 40 hour workweek, I think about, you know, Am I, how am I making the best use of this time? How much of this job can I get done in that time? And then the time that I'm spending above and beyond that, how can I make sure that that's on things that really move the needle for kids and that I'm not just, you know, creating, reinventing the wheel and making extra work for myself and documenting lesson plans and all this other stuff that really is sort of draining because I mean, I always found that when I spent time after school working on creating center materials or, or things like that, that I knew my kids were going to really love and get a lot out of, I didn't mind the extra hours. Yeah. Um, it was when I was staying after school for meetings <laughs> and when I was, you know, documenting my ESOL strategies, it was like, oh, this is so frustrating for me. So, you know, I try to encourage club members to pick their own target number And, you know, for some of them, their goal isn't even to reduce the work hours. They just want to feel less overwhelmed and they want to be able to stop thinking about work all the time. Yeah. But the average teacher when they join is working 63 hours a week and the average after they finish is 51 hours. That's great. So it's a big reduction. Yeah, it's a it's a huge reduction. And it's not all the way down to 40, but I don't think that really matters. It's not so much about the number. It's about feeling like you have more balance in your life. Yeah, it's like you're giving teachers the opportunity to take control. And I think that's what we all want. We feel Mm. everything is being done to us and we're spiraling out of control. And I think this gives us the option to have choices, to um, really think reflectively about what we're doing and how it impacts kids and creating a schedule or a mindset or whatever that works with our style, our personality, our life. 
Um, and that is so freeing. Just that opportunity being available is so exciting. That I think you hit the nail on the head there because there's so much of teaching that feels like it's just not in your control. And that's very frustrating. I mean, they, we've seen study after study that shows when people feel like they don't have any control over their work, over their um, you know, how they spend their time, it, it leads to depression, it leads to anxiety, it leads to dissatisfaction in the workplace. And so really figuring out what can I control, what can I do that make that will make a difference um, is, is just so important to being able to stay in the field and avoid burnout, to know that, you know, change is possible for me, that yes, I have, you know, all of these different challenges and all these different demands on my time and all these things that make my job uniquely challenging, maybe even more challenging than what it is for other teachers. But there are still things that I can do differently. There's still ways that I can streamline. And I'm determined to figure that out. I think that's probably the most important mindset shift is to feel like I am not satisfied with the status quo. Mm -hmm. I am not going to work 80 hour weeks for the rest of my teaching career just because that's what I see other people doing. And that's what it feels like is necessary right now to do a good job for kids. I just I don't accept this line of thinking that I have to sacrifice my health and my family time Mm -hmm. in order to be good at this job. There has to be something that I can eliminate. There has to be something I can streamline has to be something I can simplify while still doing a good job for kids. And because I value myself and my time and my family and the people I care about, I'm going to look for change. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to accept that it has to be this way. And it sounds like you've got a great community. So what I love about it is that I know, one, I'm not alone, but two, there are so many different ways to attack this idea of efficiency and balance and taking control of our time. Um, that learning from each other as we all have different situations is is really great because I have to figure out what works for me and I might not be able to figure that out on my own. But hearing your idea, I can piece together with someone else's idea, plus the tips that you're sharing, I'm able to morph it to fit my personal situation. I just I, I love the idea of it being kind of a club. Yeah, I think the community piece is really important. I didn't want to call it a course because that makes it sound like one more thing that you have to do. And you really don't have to keep up every week. You can skip weeks. You have access to everything, you know, for the rest of your teaching career. So you don't have to go necessarily at the pace that I'm taking you through at. But Clump sounded more fun and it sounded like you have that support and community. And one of the things that I hear a lot from members is what you were saying about, you know, they just feel sort of isolated. Um, there may not be anyone else in their school who, you know, really wants to take this on, who really wants to think about, you know, how can I have better balance in my life? How can I figure out ways to be innovative that I can do in less time? Like, there's got to be a more efficient way to do this. And if you don't have people in your building who are doing that with you, you know, it can be really hard to figure this stuff out on your own. And that's really one of my favorite things about the club is that teachers have the support of other positive people who really love their work. Because if you don't love your work, you're not going to join something like this, right? You're (laughs) just going to, you know, if you're just biding time until retirement, you're not going to bother taking some sort of PD on (laughs) productivity. So these are teachers who are really passionate about their work. They really want to keep doing this job for years to come. And they just want to find a sustainable way of doing so. And so hearing their stories and, and having them share ideas with each other is just really powerful. So it sounds like the common thread among the members is that passion for education, but is there a good time in a career to join something like this or a certain time of the year that makes more sense for someone to want to join? 
I think so in terms of time of year. Um, So I have the club set up to be in cohorts. So you can join in the summer and you can join in January. And I do that because I want people to join with the community. Mm -hmm. You don't want to just, you know, walk into the middle of this and feel like you're on your own. So you're getting the same materials every week as all the other thousands of teachers in your cohort. So you can collaborate together and share ideas and talk through them together. Um, I, I think January is a great time of year because you're sort of, you know, a lot of times you're you're wondering how in the world am I going to make it all the way to June? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you're ready for change. Um, and I think summer is a great time because a lot of teachers are thinking about, okay, I want to start fresh. I got this fresh start coming up here and um, I want to do something different this year. What can I do differently? This is so exciting. And I love that it's open to anyone on your career path. So it could be a new teacher. It could be someone, a veteran of five years or someone that taught 20. I mean, it's really all about finding what works for you. And it's not so much about you know, what degree do you have? And do you meet this bar? Um, So I love how inclusive it is as well. Yeah, I I mean, we do have sometimes new teachers are are hesitant to join. And I I mean, I kind of have, I have mixed feelings about it, because I feel like you could join right away. And that way, you don't have to unlearn bad habits. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) go ahead and like, get this mindset in place at first. And we have a lot of new teachers who join and they love doing it that way. Other people feel like, let me just make it through my first year first, before I even think about taking something like this on. So it's really up to you. But we do have a lot of new teachers um, in the club. And we also have a lot of veteran teachers. Like, that was probably one of the things that surprised me. You know, when I created this, I had no idea it was going to really take off and resonate with teachers to this level. And and I assume that most teachers would be fairly new and still trying to figure out their way. But there's actually just tons and tons of members who have been teaching for like 20, 30, even 40 years who feel like teaching is just not recognizable as a profession they signed up for years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, they're like, I'm just not sure how to change. Or maybe they went out on maternity leave for uh-huh. a year or two and came back and were like, whoa, what happened to my job? <laughs> right. <laughs> this is not what I was doing before. Right. <laughs> so this is sort of a way to help them like ease back in and feel like I have support and I've, you know, I can go back through my teaching practices and evaluate, okay, now what's working now? What's working this year with kids? what's current. And um, it's just, it's a great support system for that. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned it's not a course. So it's not something you just quickly go through modules and you're done and you graduate. This is more of uh, a way of life in terms of having your teacher friends. But each year you're coming back and thinking about how do these strategies apply to this new group of kids or this new scenario. Maybe you're in a new school or curriculum changes or whatever. So it sounds like a great idea that you left it open lifetime membership because I mean, even though you might hear some of the same principles, it's you're you're dealing with it in a new context in your own way. Um, so it's important to just hang hang in there with everybody and and support those going through it, but also finding new ways for yourself each year. Yes, and we are going for permanent lifestyle changes here. This is, it's not about a quick fix. Even though you can start seeing a difference in your teaching right away. really what I want is for your habits to be changed permanently, your way of thinking about your life and your work to be changed, you know, for the rest of your career. And that's something that, you know, we all know with habits, exercise, you know, eating better, whatever it is you're trying to do, if it's really easy to slip back into those old lifestyle patterns, right? So if you don't have support or community or just someone sort of encouraging you along the way, um, it's easy to fall back into that. So that's what I really like about the club and, and the community is that, you know, you have the ability to to keep hearing these success stories from other teachers that motivate you to keep going and, you know, reminders from me to, you know, try this strategy and, you know, keep doing this habit. And it, it just, it helps them continue to see results over time and just continue to streamline their teaching. 
Well, I certainly want to be respectful of your time. I know this is a weekend, so thank you for chatting with me. But I did want to make sure that we spoke productivity and mindset and everything else that you wanted to share. Is there any last minute, you know, words of wisdom that you want to encourage teachers that this is a normal feeling and it's going to get better and it's okay and we're here for you? Yeah, I think maybe the most important thing to know is that small changes add up to big results that you don't have to go through and overhaul everything in your life. You don't have to spend hours and hours, you know, rethinking through all these processes to make changes. If you want to create change in your life, it's never too late. It's never too late to decide something's not working and I want to change it. And just making little tweaks to your daily habits and your daily routines can make a huge difference in your stress level and your level of overwhelm. So I don't think that any teacher is beyond hope. I don't think that any teacher has a position that is so difficult that there is no possible way to make it better. Um, I think everyone can find more ways to streamline and work more efficiently and just um, find more effective ways of doing things that don't require so much time and energy <laughs> on their part. So, you know, if anyone is feeling sort of stuck and not really sure if change is possible, I would say I have yet to meet a teacher who change is not possible for them. If, if you are determined to create change in your life, you can do it. Mm. That's powerful. And you're just such a great resource. Can you tell us how to connect with you or if we're interested in the club, how we can get into that or wait until the June opening date? Give us some details there. So the best thing to do is to go to 40htw.com. So it's 40htw for 40 hour teacher work week. If you just want to learn some other things from me, but you're not really sure if the club is right for you yet. I have a podcast as well called Angela Watson's Truth for Teachers. I know that your listeners are obviously into consuming audio. That's my favorite way to learn mm -hmm. as well. Um, so you can check out the podcast and my blog is at the cornerstone for teachers.com. I've got tons and tons of articles and free resources and things there that you can check out. That's awesome. And thanks so much, Angela. We are excited that you're giving back to the profession in this way. I, I know for me, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's, it was such a pain point and I learned to overcome it, but it took way too long. I wish this club was around when I was desperately needing it. And I'm so glad it's here now for all the teachers to continue to come together, to think innovatively, but still meet the needs of students and be able to uh, have some sanity while they're doing it. So thanks for all of the blood, sweat, and tears you put into it and just, you know, being our cheerleader along the way. Oh, thank you, Gretchen. I'm so glad that you allowed me to come on your show and share this message with your listeners. Of course. Well, thanks again, and we'll chat soon. Okay. Bye. Okay, bye. Wow, wasn't that an empowering message from Angela Watson? I am so glad she was able to come on and share this idea with you about how to be more productive, not just physically, but even in your mind and ensuring that you are prioritizing the right tasks and you're able to stay afloat and stay present and stay engaged and empowered to be able to do the great work you do because we need great teachers in the classroom. And, and this major life hack of this 40-hour teacher work week club is pretty awesome. And so I wanted to give you details because I'm sure by now you're like, oh my God, <laughs> let me get in on this. So all you have to do is go to 40, the numbers, 40htw.com. So it's 40htw.com. And so when you're purchasing your membership, all you have to do is enter my name. You can put Gretchen Bridgers. You could put Empowering Educators Podcast. You could put Always a Lesson. Um, you could put my email address, Gretchen at alwaysalesson.com. 
that lets Angela know this is the person that's referred you into the club. And so that step is really important. The club is open for early bird access, which is very exciting, starting June 5th. So I wanted to make sure I got this episode out to you as soon as possible so you could start financially planning to join this group. So when you do that, you're going to get access to all the June club materials. That's summer planning, home organization. So you get a lot of extra bonus if you join early rather than just joining in the fall for all the classroom stuff. It's really a great option for people who are anxious to get a head start on their summer plans. You can dive into the bonus materials. You can start sharing ideas in the private Facebook group. It's pretty awesome. The official date, though, to join is July 1st through the 18th, and then the door closes. So I know that's midsummer, and it might be hard if you don't have a paycheck, but if this is something that you know you're struggling with, prioritizing a way to make this happen is definitely a great idea. So early bird access, June 5th, the club's official open date, July 1st through 18th. And remember, when you get on there for 0htw.com. Just enter my name and email address as the person who referred you. I'm really excited to see how this transforms your teaching as well as just the balance in your life. I know it's a major pain point for most of you and the solutions and tips and guidance and support in this group is such a lifesaver. And productivity is a life skill. It's not just something that you're investing in as a classroom teacher. You're investing in this idea of how to structure your mind and structure your time so that you can perform your best. And that's something you'll keep with you no matter what career or field of work that you end up being in long term. So as you know, Angela is a great resource. And even if you're unable to join the club at this time, that is totally fine. It's understandable. But you still have access to her blog and her podcast and feel free to tweet with her. I mean, she's very personable and willing to help in any way she can. And she puts everything she has into the resources she creates for teachers so you know you're buying into quality and actionable tips. So make sure you connect with her. If you want all of this information written out because you're driving or you're running right now and you're like, oh my god, this is too many details I can't remember, just head to alwaysalesson.com, click on podcast. You'll see her episode there. And in the show notes, I have the directions for joining the club and I've got all the ways to connect with Angela. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Angela Watson. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is a member of the Education Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcastnetwork.com for more details.